This morning we are back in the Sermon on the Mount. We are starting chapter 7. Uh, Jesus, the past couple of weeks as we've really dived into the Sermon on the Mount, he's really been in our business a whole lot. Okay, uh, two weeks ago he was in our pocketbooks, he was in our bank accounts as we talked about where we find our treasure, what we do with our treasure, and how we trust God with what he entrusts to us. Last week, Jacob and Jesus, it's my two favorite J's in the world right there, they got all up in your business about anxiety and how we deal with anxiety and whether we give it to the Lord or not. And so this morning, um, things are going from a place of uh, really less interpersonal, less how we deal with things, and they're going more in how we deal with each other. And not just how we deal with each other, but eventually, as we get through chapter 7, how we deal with God. And so things are taking a shift this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, only six verses this morning. And so let's, uh, let's kick it off there. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, and do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. What we see here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, is the world's, and I'll say the world, especially in a non-Christian secular context, this is the world's favorite Bible verse ever. All right, and what is it? Judge not that you be not judged. And how does the world use that as Christians? How, how do we hear it? And that's not really one of those coffee cup scriptures. That's not really something you're walking into somebody's house and you're seeing hanging on the wall. No, that's something that's coming up in some kind of confrontation. That's something that's coming up when you've maybe disapproved of what's going on in somebody's life. And how is that verse always used? It's used as a trap. No, you can't judge me. Judge not, lest you be judged. Judge not, unless you want to be judged. That means you're a hypocrite. That's how the world uses it, right? They want to trap us. How, how else do they use it? They use it like Captain America would use a shield. They use it as a defense. You can't say anything to me. You can't touch this. MC Hammer, all over the place. <laughs> you can't do anything about my lifestyle because this verse is my shield. This verse has me protected. When me and Jacob were growing up in school, it was, man, I think uh, I was just about to graduate. Uh, he was still in like second grade or something like that. No, he was, he was, he was in 11th grade. He's just a year younger than me. Uh, there was the only connection between me and Jacob in high school um, because I played football and he played a communist sport. Um, <laughs> it was, it's called soccer or something. Well, not a lot of people play it. Uh, there was this guy, we're going to name him Ricardo this morning, and he played football, and he also played this other sport. And so, um, you know, you wouldn't really talk to Ricardo and be like, man, that dude, he loves Jesus. But one day, Ricardo showed up in the locker room, and he's walking around a little bit different. You see, back then, it was cool to get tattoos. I realize it's still cool now, but like, 
the tattoo to get was like right across your neck right here. That meant you were hard, and that meant uh, you were super cool. And uh, I'll, I'll let you guess what this tattoo said. I think Miley Cyrus has this tattoo as well. Carter's a real cool guy. It says, only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. I'm sure you've heard that. And so then, I mean, not only was Ricardo a super cool guy, like I started seeing tattoos like this everywhere for the next few years. And I'm thinking like, man, what's going on in this person's life? Because I don't think it's the first option that they have a really close personal relationship with God and he's the only one that's judging them. I think it's probably the opposite. I'm thinking a lot of people are judging you, bro. You're coming in this locker room with that tattoo. Um, the bad boy club, they're thinking they got a new recruit, okay? Little Timmy's in his locker shaking now, okay? Because a 17-year-old has a tattoo. What's that all about? His mom told him, if you got a tattoo, you're going to hell. He's really worried about Ricardo now. So is that what Jesus means? Is that what Jesus means when he says, judge not that you be judged? And I think the answer is absolutely not. Is Jesus saying only God can judge me? No. Is Jesus saying, stop discerning things? No, I don't think Jesus is saying that either. Is Jesus saying, don't take people's personal lives and actions into account? I don't think he's saying that either. Don't take their behavior, don't take their lifestyle into account. No, I don't think Jesus is saying any of that. Because if we look at the first five verses, that's maybe what we take away from this. But if we look at verse 6, that's certainly not what we see. If we read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, that's definitely not what we see. If we continue on just a little bit from where we're on, that's not what we see. You see, Jesus repeatedly throughout the Gospels calls it like it is. He calls Pharisees and scribes. That was these religious bad boys, right? Like they had it all together. And I mean like bad, like in a good context, like, hey, these guys were holier than thou. What does Jesus call them? He calls them hypocrites. In verse 6 today, he calls people dogs and pigs. And in a few verses ahead of us, he calls false teachers ravaging wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus is anthropomorphizing people before Disney ever even got a chance. If you need to know what anthropomorphizing is, that's a big word I looked up just for this morning. <laughs> just to give animals human traits, okay? So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that there is a difference between judgment calls and judgmentalism, okay? We are called by God to make judgment calls. We are called by God to judge. We are not called by God to be judgmental. So what's it mean to make judgment calls? That means that you, as a Christian, call sin, sin. You never back down from, not, from calling sin, sin. This means that as Christians, we are called to discern with the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us when we become believers what is good fruit and what is bad fruit. This means that as Christians, we are called to think critically. 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we are called to make judgment calls. We are called to test the fruit, test the spirits. We are called to stay away from judgmentalism. What is judgmentalism? It's when we judge people's motives. It's when we look down on people from a place of self-righteousness. It's when we have a spirit, when we have an air about us that is condescending. 
It's when we stop thinking critically and we start being critical towards other people. And I think especially as Christians, as believers, followers of Jesus. Remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples here on the side of this mountain. Everyone else, they're just there for the party. They're just there to to listen to what's going on. I think as disciples and as followers of Jesus, we especially have to watch out. There's a theologian, his name is Don Carson. He points out that a holy life holds the temptation of being judgmental. He says it's easy to see how powerful and dangerous the temptation to be judgmental can be. The challenge to be holy has been taken seriously, and a fair degree of discipline, service, and formal obedience have been painstakingly won. Now, I tell myself, I can afford to look down on my long nose and my less disciplined peers and colleagues, or perhaps I have actually experienced a generous measure of God's grace, but somehow I have misconstrued it and come to think that I have earned it. We've got to stay away from being judgmental because judgmentalism will absolutely tear us apart as individuals, as part of this church, but as part of the universal body of believers, the big C church, you have been saved by grace and you are called to come alongside other people lovingly as Jesus has come alongside us to love them and to serve them as Jesus has loved and served us. We're called to disciple them, to help them become more and more like Jesus. But we cannot do the very thing that Jesus has called us to do in the Great Commission by making disciples if we are living a life that is judgmental. Outside of probably yourself, do you know anybody that's judgmental? You, you didn't respond because I called you judgmental too. Is that how it goes? Okay, well, guess what? I'm in the same boat. I deal with the same stuff. Got the same issues, the same problems. The answer's probably no. We don't want to spend time with those people. They don't live lives that are characteristic of love. It's not part of their character. As a body of believers, we, as a church, as a Sante church, We have to be on guard. We can't let judgmentalism sink into our culture. It can't be something that our church is described as. No, we've got to be loving. We've got to realize we've received grace and mercy. We have been forgiven, and we need to walk alongside our community in that. We need to be known by the love that we display to the other people that live next door to us, to the other people that walk in this church, or that's the first time, For the 50th time, we need to be categorized by the walks that we live because we live and walk close to Jesus. Don't let it sink in. Let Jesus be the foundation that people build their spiritual lives on. And you be a builder that out of the power of the Holy Spirit, God uses to operate. And as they build their foundation on Jesus, help them build that up. Don't, once again, pull Miley Cyrus and just be a wrecking ball on somebody's walk with Jesus because you're being judgmental. That will destroy this church. That will destroy any church across the world. So first point this morning, don't be judgmental. Had to make sure I had this cup lined up. That would have been water everywhere. That would have been terrible. How do we judge others? We look down on them. 
We're condescending. We're self-righteous. We act like we have it all put together. We act like we don't have problems. We act like we have it all figured out. And we look at everybody else through these lens of, well, they don't. And I wish they were more like me. What are some areas that we judge other people in? I think we can just right off the bat spit a few out, but let's just go through them just so we're all on the same page. How about in finances? I think we've probably said one time or two or three, man, I can't believe how much money they bring in. I can't believe how, how they spend that money. Or I can't believe how little money that they have and they continue to spend it that way. And we think, man, we have it together financially. And if they just had it together financially like us, they would be a lot better off. Look, I don't care if that's true or not. If you look at people through that lens and you operate with those people through that lens, that is being judgmental. When it comes to work, what if they're a lazy worker? What if they don't pull their own weight around the office? And then you start to operate and have conversations like them and relate to them like you're just a lazy person. Well, that's judgmental. What about the workaholic? Man, I can't believe that person works so much. They just forget about their family. They just forget about everything else in life. Man, I wish they had priorities like me. Well, you may think you're coming from a good place, you continue to operate and relate to that person in that mindset, it's still being judgmental. In health, it can come down to diet and exercise. It can be somebody's too fit, somebody's not taking their health seriously enough. And the spiritual disciplines, we can look at somebody and say, I wish they would just work harder so that they could be holy. And we get very works-based and legalistic with it, and that has no place in the gospel. That is anti-gospel. Now, we rely on Jesus And we walk and live in his grace, in his grace alone. But there's also a point in our lives where we can say, well, I'm just going to live in grace and I'm just going to be lazy a little bit more. I'm just going to sleep in. I'm just going to sleep in on God in our time together this morning. God will forgive my spiritual laziness. And we forget what is supposed to be our one true love. We can look at people's parenting say, man, that house is a boot camp. And you can look across the spectrum and say, man, that's a house full of free-range chickens running around, clucking everywhere, eating seed off the floor. It's wild over there. You can look at other marriages and say, man, me and my wife would never go through that. I would never talk to my wife that way. My husband would never do that to me. We can look at emotions. We can say, man, that person is way too rigid, way too logical. We can say, man, that person scares me because they're so illogical, because their emotions change with the weather, with the wind. That's just to name a few. When it comes to being judgmental, ultimately it comes down to us thinking that we can play God. We are judging people like it's the absolute truth because we think we know every detail. And we don't know every detail. We think we know their hearts. We don't know their hearts. We think we know their motives. We don't. We don't know their motives. And in the next five verses, we see that it is dangerous to be judgmental. We're called to do the exact opposite. We are called to be loving. John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Oh, baby, if you love one another. Jesus, four reasons in the next five verses. Matthew 7, 1 through 2, if you got your Bibles, we're just going to be pretty much here the rest of the day. Judge not that you be judged not, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the And with the measure 
you use, it will be judged to you. So why don't we judge? Why aren't we judgmental to other people? Because if we are judgmental to other people, we too will be judged. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, stop. Stop being judgmental. And not just stop right now. Hey, in the future, stop being judgmental then too. Get judgment out of your life when it comes to how you relate with other people. In verse 2, Jesus is saying, you'll be judged to the same standard that you are judging. This is, a, this is very similar in Jesus' teaching. We see this for a second time. We see it the first time when he's talking about forgiveness. Forgive others if you want to be forgiven. If you don't forgive them, then I won't forgive you. And on judgment, he's saying, if you judge other people and you are merciful, well, guess what? I, too, will be merciful with you. And we see that. This is a pattern in our relationships with God. He deals with us much the same way we deal with other people. So it's important that we love God and that we are loved by God, but it's important that we love other people, and not just half-heartedly. It's important that we love other people and we love them well. When it comes to judgment, it's important for us to realize that we have been forgiven. And a heart that has been forgiven, a heart that was sinful and broken and absolutely falling apart, that has been cleaned, forgiven, restored by God's grace and mercy through the work of Jesus on the cross. That is a heart that should operate out of that same grace and out of that same mercy. If you have been forgiven, if you have given your life to Jesus in this room, then you should operate and relate to people out of that, not out of being judgmental. It should be so hard for you to be judgmental as a believer that is following Jesus because you realize you have been forgiven much. You need to forgive much. Matthew 7, 3-4. Why do you see this speck that is in your brother's eye? This is Jesus. He's on his comedy tour. He's in the biggest arena on the side of this mountain. He's being very sarcastic here. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eyes, but do not notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Why don't we judge other people? We don't judge other people because it is ridiculously prideful. We don't judge other people because it is prideful. There's a speck in their eye. Any of my guys, hey, any of my girls in here doing a little woodworking, get a little sawdust in your eye? Not a big deal. You kind of just cry a little bit. Don't let anybody see you cry because you're, you know, you're woodworking. That's tough work. So you got to hide it. But then there's the person with a plank in their eye. That's a log. They can't see anything. But still the person with a log in their eye that can't see anything wants to go to the person with just a speck just a little piece of sawdust and say, hey, let me get that out of your eye. Hoping that they don't knock the person out with the log that is in their eyes. It is in our pride that we want to fix things. It's in our pride that we become blind to our own sin and we become hypersensitive to the sin in people around us. It's in our pride and being judgmental that we become spiritual peeping toms. We become spiritual garbage inspectors. We become the spiritual HOA. <laughs> writing everybody up. If you're in the HOA, I'd like to talk to you after service. <laughs> I'm taking care of those weeds. 
we can see this in the life of King David in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12. Don't worry, we're not going to read the whole chapter. You don't need to turn there. But what happens is King David, appointed by God to be king over Israel, takes advantage of his God-given office of king, and he sees a woman named Bathsheba bathing on a roof. And I wonder if maybe her name before this incident was just Sheba, you know? (laughs) That was good, right? (laughs) Onward. David, in all seriousness, I'm sorry, that was a dad joke. David sees Bathsheba, and he desires her. And so what does he do? He calls for her. He seduces a married woman. Not just a married woman, but a married woman whose husband is out on the field of battle where David should have been. What happens? She gets pregnant. What does David do? He tries to cover up his tracks. And in the end, King David, to try to cover up his tracks, has her killed. David is running from his sin. David is hiding from his sin. David doesn't want to confront the greatest moral downfall of his life. And it takes a prophet by the name of Nathan to confront King David with the parable. And in this parable, he tells David, there's a rich man who had many, many sheep. And there was a poor man. and He had one sheep. And he loved that sheep so much that it was like a daughter to him. The rich man, he had some guests over. And he needed to feed him, but he didn't want to take a sheep off of his own field. And so what he did was he went to the poor man's field, and he took that sheep, and he slaughtered it, just so he could feed his guests. Nathan then asked David, David, what should be done? David thinks this is real life. He doesn't know that this is a story yet. And so David responds, that man should be put to death. And what does Nathan respond? David, that man is you. That man is you. There's so many times that we can't see our own sin. We have conditioned ourselves with our own false sense of reality to deal with our sin, to pretend like it didn't happen, instead of taking it to God. We can't see this in our own life. So instead, we just look at other people. Or any of our Marvel fans in here, we want to vision our entire lives to deal with the sin that we are trying to hide. And we don't see how truly messed up we are, but it is blinding us. And so keep in mind, if you ever want to judge somebody, to do yourself a favor, before you start pointing out someone else's sin, inspect your own heart. Deal with your own sin. And I think maybe what you might find is you have a whole lumber yard in your eye. Tend to your sin, then Talk to others. Matthew 7, 5. Jesus says, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Why don't we judge others? Fourth reason, it is hypocritical. Jesus is saying here, tend to the sin in your life with God and with other people. Repent of the sin in your life with God and the people that hurt you or the people that you hurt then, and only then, will you be able to address and approach that person out of love, out of mercy, out of grace, out of a place of being forgiven. If you don't tend to yourself first, there's no way that you're going to be able to see clearly to help your brother who has much less sin 
in his life. Your mind, your empathy, your speech, your heart, your motives, your understanding, everything is going to be off because your vision is impaired. Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite. You hypocrite. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is an actor. So, hey, stop playing church. Stop playing the Christian. Be the Christian. The Pharisees were great at playing religion, but they had very messed up relationships with God. The religion in their lives blinded them so much that they didn't see the Messiah who was to come in Jesus. Don't get so caught up in your holiness that you're not able to help someone else out. Deal with your own sin. The blind should never be leading people that just need glasses. Receive sight. Be restored. Then approach and approach out of love. It's at this point. Jesus completely flips the script, much like he always does. He says, don't be judgmental. Don't practice judgmentalism, but judge. What'd you say, Jesus? Hold up. What? Make judgment calls. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Verse 6, this is the great counterweight between verses 1 through 5 and what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying is make sound judgment. Not be judgmental, but make sound judgment on the dogs. And who are the dogs? The dogs, as Jesus is talking about them here, are the people that despise the truth and the people that seek to tear the truth apart. What is the truth? The truth is the gospel. Dogs are a lot different in Jesus' time than they are today. People aren't carrying dogs around in their purses, okay? People aren't sleeping in bed with dogs, okay? Unless they want to wake up without some limbs, that's not happening. It's just a different world completely. Dogs were completely vicious. They were completely violent. They were scavengers, They weren't these cute little things that you wanted to spend your time with. They weren't these loyal creatures that you wanted to spend your life around. These people, the dogs that Jesus is talking about, are the people that are hostile to the gospel. And what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, don't waste your time with people that openly oppose you. Openly oppose you in violence. Now, this isn't saying... Don't talk to people who are indifferent to you. This isn't talking about the people that are ignorant to the gospel. No, this goes into the danger zone here. This is where violence can take place against you. What Jesus is saying is don't try to force the gospel onto these people who are so adverse to it. Don't waste all your time there. Don't spend hours and hours arguing and debating. I don't know anyone that's been argued into a life with Jesus. Instead, move on. Take the gospel to somebody else. Because as opposed and violent and how much hate they have towards the gospel, there's going to be someone that is seeking, that is willing to receive. Go to that person. And then he's saying, make sound judgment on the pigs. And the pigs are those that could care less about the gospel and about the truth. And they trample on it. These pigs are always considered unclean in the entire Old Testament. Pigs are never portrayed in a positive light in the Bible. Now, 
after Jesus fulfills the law in the Old Testament, no longer apply, or the Old Covenant no longer applies because the New Covenant is in place and people, what God made clean, they can eat bacon now and stuff like that. I think maybe if they had had more bacon, pigs would have been known in a positive light. But these pigs are not known in a positive light in the way Jesus is talking about them. And why aren't they known in a positive light? Why is he saying don't share the gospel, don't throw pearls to the pigs? It's because they don't recognize the pearls. And the pearls are the precious message of the gospel. And so, make sound judgment. Because the dogs and the pigs have no idea what the value of the pearls are. They will always seek to destroy, trample them, drag them through the mud, and destroy them. Those people could care less about the gospel. Again, don't force it. Instead, go to the people that need to hear it. So today, don't be judgmental. Be discerning. Don't make judgment calls. We're going to do this a little bit different today. It's going to be all right. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, I'm going to pray these action steps over us. And so if you will bow your heads with me, let's go before the Lord. Jesus, goodness gracious, we need you. Just in the study and the prep put into this message this week, I realize how judgmental I can be. And I need to repent of that. I need your forgiveness for that. Jesus, through your perfect life, through your death on the cross that had victory over sin, over death, and over the enemy, would you forgive me for the judgmental mindset that I have had? Jesus, would you help me to check my heart to identify what my motives are? Would you help me to see when I confront somebody if I'm coming out of a place of love or if I am coming out of a place of judgment? Jesus, would you help me to identify where, where is my walk with you? Where do I stand with you? Am I moving forward out of the power of the Holy Spirit, out of a gentle spirit, or am I just trying to confront people and the little things in their life without ever realizing the log that is in mine? Am I being self-righteous? Shed light on that for us this morning, Lord. When I do move forward in a gentle spirit, Jesus, would you allow me to speak and speak truth and love? Would you give me the boldness, the confidence in you, and the courage that is only found in you not to fear, but to call sin, sin? Not to let a brother or a sister in you go on sinning? Would you help me to be truthful and loving over being harsh and judging? Jesus, would you help me to remember the golden rule to treat others as I want to be treated because we know, as we see in Mark seven twelve, Jesus, that God deals with us in the same way that we deal with other people. Let us be gentle. Let us not be harsh. And Jesus, let us remember that we have been forgiven much. So help us to forgive much. Help us to always bring our own lives back to the gospel. Help us to always bring our own lives back to the power of your death on the cross and your resurrection having victory over sin, death, and the enemy. Would we walk and live out of that power? Would you kill the judgment inside of us? 
Would you allow us to move forward in you? Would you allow us to be the gospel and to share the gospel in the lives of others? Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen.